Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Well Long. And today we have an amazing guest, Tim Morrell, who has a wonderful story to share with you about resilience, about healing, about recovery, about things somebody might call divine order and faith. Just an amazing story. So stay tuned and listen in. So Tim, welcome, welcome. This has been a while in coming, and I'm so excited to have you here because as I shared with you, recently that people need to hear your story. People need to hear about what you've gone through, what you've overcome and what you're doing now. So can you tell us a little bit about, then maybe share a little bit about your background and then what happened a few years ago? Okay, Alexandra, it's great to see you here. And you know, I have known you what, 10 years now or more since you were yeah. a postmaster back in the day. Right. But I am a trial lawyer by trade for oh, almost 40 years, but in the last four years since 2018, I have been the sole trustee of a, well, some of my clients that they were, I knew them all the way back in the 80s when I first started being a lawyer, I represented them, but eventually we became close as families. And they left me in charge of their legacy, which is now called Toby's Legacy, Critter Creek Ranch Foundation Incorporated. That legacy is a wonderful animal and wildlife and agricultural sanctuary in Palm City. We have about 20 acres up here and we give educate, everything here we do is, is educational. And I started working here when um, it was Dick and Millie Olson and Millie passed away. She was, her husband passed away in 2015. He, she died in 2018. And that's when I took over running this, this place, plus a number of other things that they had left behind that I needed to do a number of legal things. Uh -huh. But anyway, but I, I, I remember when I went to law school to, to know, learn how to raise goats and peacocks. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I've been, I've been here. That wasn't included in the law books. <laughs> No, no. And then, so my, but it's plenty of legal action. Uh, there's an old WC Fields quote that when there's a will, there's a relative. So a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of people, you know, were upset that, that the Olsons left everything to this educational foundation and caring for animals and things. But we've had a lot of great support from all around the country. I Last year we had the Betty White Challenge and it was just wonderful to see all the people that came and supported us and, and love what we're doing here. And again, it's all educational. We had some students out here last week. It was just, it's just amazing what we're doing here. So that's, that's the background in a nutshell. Awesome. Awesome. And then uh, you shared, well, I found you on Facebook and I did not know anything about your traumatic event that happened a few years ago. And uh, I reached out to you saying, wow, people need to hear your story. So uh for our listeners, and by the way, Palm City is in Florida. He mentioned the sanctuaries in Palm City, it's in Florida. Uh, but he had um, an interesting story. To, he has an interesting story to tell you that happened. What year was it? Was your it was January 8th, January 8th, 2019. So it's 2019. actually been three years now, January years. 2019. And I was driving home on I-95 from, I live in, uh, I was living in Jupiter, Florida at the time in Palm Beach County. And it was in the late afternoon driving home and a Chevy Silverado filled with some kids coming back from college they were doing about 100 miles an hour, unfortunately, in that Chevy Silverado. They lost control. 
they were headed north, I was headed south. It, that Chevy Silverado went down. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to try to gesture on Zoom, but it, it went down into the median, which was kind of like a, a, a almost like a skateboard ramp. Mm. Went down into the median and came back up. It was about 20, 30 feet in the air. Mm. And it was just coming. I saw it on my left side. I, again, I was driving. So it was on the, the driver's side, left side. And I just saw it coming down out of the sky, sort of like a Wizard of Oz, you know, and the house lands on him. The, that was the last thing I saw. I woke up three days later in St. Mary's um, trauma ICU. And I was, I couldn't move. I couldn't move my arms, my legs. I was hooked up to a ventilator. I had, I was, when they rescued me, I was upside down. I had, uh, and it's kind of gross, but I, it was, I needed to stay it because it was one of the things that was most critical at the time. I had thrown up into my lungs. And so just being able to get oxygenated, I, I, the doctors told me that was actually the most touch and go thing for the first three days. Yeah. And then of course, uh, like I said, the injuries were pretty traumatic. C1, C2 were shattered. The best way I can describe that is one of the ICU nurses showed me the CAT scan and it looked like somebody had thrown a rock into the windshield, into your windshield. So, it, so it had just spidered out. But the thing that, kept me alive and then I'm not paralyzed is that nothing had moved. Everything had stayed in place. And that turned out to be hugely critical. I mean, otherwise I wouldn't have made it, but that was, that was what happened. So January 8th, 2019, I, and I had three surgeries. Two of the, the biggest ones were at Duke university. There's some pretty cutting edge stuff that uh, the surgeon that performed that, the, the tools and the, the things that he used, to, the, the like screws and rods and wire, the number of things that they used to put me back together were invented by the doctor that did the surgery. They're named after him. And the tools that he used were named after him. Dr. Yeah. Christopher Shaffrey, was like, remember Shaffrey screws and some sort of a tool that he put him in with? Yeah, it was named yeah. after him. Yeah. So I, I was, I mean, everything, I mean, it was hugely unlucky what happened to me, but everything that happened after that uh, Martin County Fire Rescue, uh, the branch was, uh, their, their designation is 22. I don't know how they do that, what group or branch, whatever they call it, but it was Martin County Fire Rescue uh, Engine 22. Amazing. Every single thing they did. And again, I was upside down in a smashed car. And somehow or another, they got me out of that and into a helicopter and got me about 30 miles south to St. Mary's Hospital, where they have one of the finest trauma units in the country. And um, yeah, and then, and then it turned out that the doctor on duty that night, doctor named Lex Lennar, Alexander Lennar, he turned out to be the doctor who performs 100%. All of the, the surgeries for people who have traumatic C1, C2 injuries for Martin and Palm Beach County. He happened to be the guy on duty that night at the ER. If it hadn't been for him, the outcome would have been very, very different. And so just because of the standard of care and, and what he was able to do that other doctors might not have even known to do because right. he was the guy that did 100% of them. So, so anyway, so a lot of lucky things. And then finding Dr. Shaffrey at Duke, that was 
just he's a president of the International Association for Advanced Surgical Techniques. Mm-hmm. And literally, there was like nowhere else in the country that that could have done what he did for me. He's done a number of, of patients. He said he had about two dozen of these cases. None of them, unfortunately, it was the risk here was that I was the only one that was over 30 years old at the time. I was in my six, 61 when it happened. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but he had done people like the skateboarder or sir, excuse me, the snowboarder, Sean White. And he's done them actually a couple of times with these kind of things, you know, wow. those sort of guys break their neck, <laughs> but, but he's done some, you know, some remarkable surgeries, but pretty much the risk here was my, was my age. And, but, but because I was in reasonable shape when they got to me, um, he, he took a chance and I'm, I'm grateful that he took a chance, but a right. lot of things lined up to work out that got me through this, you know, that got me to that point. Yeah. 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 And so that's what happened. Yeah. Right. Right. And so tell the the listeners, like you mentioned, you were in a good, good enough shape that he could work with you at your age. What, what can you share with our listeners? What that was, what is, what was your lifestyle? Because this Uh, is is why I said people need to know this. Uh, Okay. Um, All right. Well, I'm going to throw out the best credit and I'm going to give a plug to my friend, Bill Nealon. My Journey with the Iron, Bill Nealon, N-E-Y-L-O-N, My Journey with the Iron. I can't recommend that book enough. He is a personal trainer that just has an amazing story. I mean, he's he's been pretty much, he's befriended pretty much every major great bodybuilder that's that's lived in the last 50 years. And his book, his story about all of that is amazing, but I represent his gym. I have represented his gym as an attorney. He doesn't have any like legal things going on now. But I've known him since the early 90s, and he and I have been become workout partners. And so I, now he is just an in incredible shape. He's older than me. He's like 68, 69. Mm-hmm. He, he's in incredible shape. But so I'm not going to even come close to, to anything like what he is. Mm-hmm. But he had me in such good shape so that when I woke up three days later in ICU, the head ICU nurse, a lady named Joyce, she was telling me, just how remarkable it was. I, I Well, my first thing when I heard that was C1, C2 had been shattered and I couldn't move and I was on a ventilator, my first thing was to ask if I was going to be a quadriplegic. Yeah. And I think Christopher right. Reeve, you know, when he fell off of the horse and, you know, Superman actor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's, and one of my very first clients dove into a lake, Lake Osborne in Palm Beach yeah. County, broke his neck there. He was a quadriplegic and he later died of those injuries. And so when I heard that, I was pretty you know, just yeah. But but she told me, well, she didn't just tell me, she showed me the CAT scan and she Mm -hmm. showed me the, the, the rock hitting the windshield pictures. And she then told me that the amazing thing was that nothing had moved. And she said, Tim, well, she didn't say, she didn't call me by first name. She said, Mr. Morell, your upper body strength is like somebody 29 years old. It's amazing. And I said, I said, well, I feel all of my 61 right now. I, I can't move. What are you, <laughs> you telling You weren't me? feeling so good. And I said, but, but if you're telling me that some part of why I'm on this side of the grass and, and I might not be a quadriplegic is because of that, of my strength that held me together, then we have to call my friend Bill. And I think it was like 10 at night mm-hmm. when we called him. And yeah, he's, uh, he's an old school guy. And, you know, to tell him that we, we told him that and we said, you know, we 
she thanked she thanked him for me because I could hardly talk. Yeah. Uh, but I did get on the phone and 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 say what I could say. But um, right. but yeah, but that was that was one of the things. Again, I, I mean, it was just one of many. You know, starting mm-hmm. with Palm Beach Fire Rescue, the Highway Patrol. I, I, there were so many things I found out later on. So but many, I, but I like saying, mini, call them mini, mini, <laughs> but big miracles along the way that got you to this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and well, and then, and then I don't want to have a lightning bolt come down and hit me in the butt right now. But there were two things that, that made me crazy. Was one of them was well, you know, you God must have a plan for you you know, cause here you are and, you know, God was looking out for you and, you know, your guardian angel yeah. was looking out for you. And I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> was my guardian angel like watching ESPN or something? They were like, on coffee just, break. If you just watched <laughs> for me like three seconds sooner, I would have been by this thing, you know? And then I'm thinking, you know, what kind of crazy planner says, <laughs> let's just drop a Chevy Silverado out of this guy on 10 and see how he's going to do. Right. Like, right. That, yeah. that was just nuts. <laughs> But it just just made me crazy. But 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 then, you know, you look at all of the things that happened along the way. And so, um, you know, and so what it's come down to now and part of like the message that I talked to you about and I've I've given speeches about and talked to people about Mm -hmm. it comes down to, you know, what do you have control over? Is it is is, is this within your control? Is it man's control? Right. Or is it, or is this God's control? You know, how is it? And I have given it a lot, a lot of thought and I've come to the conclusion that it's, that both can be true at the same time. And and since the last time you and I talked, Alexandra, I, Mm -hmm. my friend Bill and I have talked and he, I don't know if this is a quote or just, he has in his book, uh, my journey with the irony has all these things, Billisms, he calls them. But one of them, and I don't know if it's a quote or if it's just something he says, he said over the years that he goes, God gives you a boat and in the boat, he puts oars. You have to row. (laughs) Okay. So you've done some rowing lately. (laughs) So, so yeah. So, so it's both, you know, it's, it's, it's both. You have some, there's control. You have your free will and all of that. And then on the other hand, there's, you know, something greater than yourself. Right. And so for me, for me, it's, it's been like, what can you control? You know, when I woke up, I told you I couldn't move. Yeah. Um, I was terrified. I um, was on a ventilator. Uh, It was, it was horrible. So, um, but here, here's, here's what I've said. I've said, you know, there's really only one thing that you can initially control and that is how you can react how you're going to react to something yeah that's really it and so like when you and this is not you know you don't have to have a catastrophic injury to know this fact every single day when you wake up the one thing that you can decide in your conscious mind is are you going to put a smile on your face or are you going to be grumpy you know are you going to be you know are you going to face life in a positive way or are you going to be negative about things that's Right. That's your decision. You have that control. And I know people just go about their business being, they decide they're going to be, you know, ass kickers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but, right. but, but you can have a, you know, smile on your face or not. That's pretty much it. That's what right. you can control. Right. Right. And, and, and along those lines, and, you know, I would say, you know, there's laughter is the best medicine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it's horrible as it was honest to God, the first thing that I thought of after I talked to, 
to Joy, the ICU nurse, and she was telling me where I was. You know, my right. situation is is I, I, I had to, I just kind of laughed. I, I just said, "Some, it's unbelievable." And, right. and then, and then I asked her if she'd seen my wife, yeah. and and that was because this this was a Tuesday, early January, January eighth, mm-hmm. and my wife had as a Christmas present had gotten us tickets to go to Hamilton in Fort Lauderdale, mm-hmm. and so. I was driving home a little bit early so I could meet her and, you know, we could go. And so everybody that was looking for me was looking, you know, they they knew where was I, nobody knew what happened to me. And I think it was my sister that who's a, you know, critical care nurse. And I don't know if I mentioned that before, but she saw the, she knew there would have been an accident. She called around, she had some friends. And they eventually, they, somebody told her that it was me and, and where I was. But pretty much everybody's worried. You know, they're calling hospitals. Me yeah, and where is they? Tim in the hospital. So when I woke up, I asked about that. And I said, oh, my God, your wife, she was, she was here. She was, she, you know, that night she was beautiful. She was all dressed up. And I said, yeah, everybody, everybody was worried that I was in the hospital except for my wife. She was like, he better, he better be. If he, if he blew off. <laughs> he didn't show for that, this show and that was literally that was the first thought that i had that made me laugh and i just right. and, and i and this old this this woman that an icu nurse joyce she was she was sort of the mother hen of the icu nurses she was the mm-hmm. oldest she was the 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 oldest one there she kind of everybody looked up to her and she was the first one i interacted with and told me my situation right and right. and she had tears in her eyes because again you know we were just going through this and that was literally my my one of my first thoughts and i kind of kept with that so so the the humor keep the humor in it and the category of laughter is the best medicine and the idea that you can control how you're going to react right and but at the same time and 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 one of my my assistant here who you know from our toastmaster club sherry Mm -hmm. right Jerry said to me, she goes, no, you know, it's, you know, it's not in your control. It's, it's up to God. You know, God has a plan. And like, and so that's what got me thinking, you know, could two things be true at the same time? Because the honest to goodness, honest to God thought that I had at the same time was God did not get me this far just to get me this far. Right. Right. And, And I, and you have to, no matter what you your attitude about something is you have to if you're going to make it in one of the if you i believe that you have and you don't have to be religious or anything like that but you have to believe that there's that there's more than just yourself that there's that right. there's a higher purpose that that you're a part of everything and that, right. that, that, that there's, there's more than just you and there's some kind of divine intelligence of some sort what whatever it is whether you know it doesn't have to be even that i mean again Mm -hmm. i don't think as i know people who are atheists that that i have discussions with that that Mm -hmm. have that same feeling that that there's more to this than just themselves but they don't they don't necessarily believe in god but right right there's but there's something more than just themselves it's just a feeling Right. And, and you have to, you, or even if it's just a purpose that you have in your life, mm-hmm. so you start thinking about your, your friends, your family. I thought a lot about my, my kids are both, they were both in college at the time and, and my wife and my, my extended family, my brothers, my sister, my, the, the duties that I have here running the sanctuary, 
all of that. You start thinking about all of those things. And so you don't have to necessarily be religious or all of that, you, but, but you do need to find that there's a purpose beyond just yourself. Right. To be if you don't have a purpose, you're not going to, even if you haven't been catastrophically injured, I don't, I, I think that's what leads to depression and, yeah. and people and people yeah. just, you know, saying, Hey, what am I here for? And then they, you know, suicidal thoughts. I right. think that's what happens. Right. Yeah. So there's that. And then, mm-hmm. but then there's the idea though, that what can you control? And so another, another thing that happened, thinking about now that I just brought up Sherry, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, I have a lot of friends in Toastmasters that were looking out for me and, you know, give a lot of speeches. I'd given a number of public talks. I've been on TV, radio for some of the legal cases that I've had. Mm-hmm. But my Toastmaster friends are, you know, they're very dear people and they, they're always looking out for each other. Yeah. And Sherry's no exception. She's my assistant, but she also was looking out for me. And meanwhile, my sister, who knew, you know, I'm a pretty private person in a lot of ways too. And I certainly didn't want to be seen outside of my wife and maybe my kids. I didn't want anybody to see me the way I was. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I was, that was the problem. I was trying not to, I was trying to have a positive attitude, be smiling, but at the same point in time, I didn't want people seeing that. Right. So right. my sister, who again, emergency care, ICU nurse herself, she arranged with the nurses there a gauntlet. I mean, it was, you know, it was like mission impossible for anybody to get through. Well, mission impossible for everybody but Sherry. <laughs> Somehow or another. As a Toastmaster, she could talk her way in. Huh? No, no kidding. I don't know how she pulled that off past my sister because, but nobody else got through, but my sister, so you know, stuff like that. But she got through. And I remember, vaguely you know again i was kind of you know they had me on some pretty powerful meds but um but i remember her saying that oh tim you know you're going to be back you'll be in court you'll be back you know giving speeches you're going to be doing this and that great and i and i i shook my head and i and i said to her those she she said that they you know these are goals you know and i said those aren't goals sherry those are dreams those are dreams. Those aren't goals. Yeah. And, and yeah. she said, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, you, I, I, the analogy I gave to her, as I said, somebody said, asked you, how do you, how do you climb Mount Everest? You know, one step at a time. Right. You know, one step, but you don't look at Mount, look at the top of Mount Everest. Now I'm going to get there. Right. One step at a time. You figure it out as you go. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I mean, this, this is you know exactly what I did. That first, after I woke up, you know, in the situation I was in, my first goal was wiggle my toe. Mm. And I mean, I had to look at my, close my eyes, squinch up my eyes, struggle, think about where's my toe. My toe? Yeah, where's my toe. Yeah. I mean, it took me hours of like grunting. Right. <laughs> but, right. but eventually, I wiggled that toe. Yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah. Once I did that. I, I stopped and this is, this is part of maybe my, I don't know if it's like Toastmaster training or people taught my mentors along the way in the law and all that, but I've come to have this thinking that if you set yourself a goal like that, once you accomplish it, you give your brain a reward. You, you know, say, if I do this, if I study, if I study for the next 20 minutes nonstop and I don't get distracted, I'm, I'm going to give myself a 15 minute coffee break. Mm-hmm. If you, if you do that, sometimes you do that and then you get, oh, I'm really good. I'll do another five minutes. 
your brain knows it's being tricked. And then the next time you ask it to do that, it won't do it. <laughs> it's like just a little experience. kid. It's like a little kid. I, yeah. <laughs> I get, if I can get away so, with it, I will. <laughs> and, and I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if there's any valid psychology to this or not, but I just know for me, and when I've been ever since college, when I was back in college, trying to get myself to where I could sit and concentrate on my studies for a longer mm -hmm. period of time. I, I think eventually I got to where I could go for maybe about 45 minutes of straight, uninterrupted, good concentration. And then I had to take a break. Right. But if I cheated on that, if I didn't take that break because I felt great, the next time I tried to do it, I wouldn't get to 45 minutes. It just Interesting. Wouldn't. Yeah. So that was on part of my mind. So when I set my goal as wiggle toe, yeah, I, love it. I did that. Right. Yeah, then, and I, you know, sat back, you know, just closed my eyes, went dreamland, asked somebody to turn on TV for me, whatever I could do, just anything, just just take a, a reward, rest. some type you know, of reward, stuff. whatever yeah. reward I could think of. But every right. single day, it was something like that. It was, you know, wiggle toe, you know, try to work my fingers because you know I had an iPad there. Try to work the iPad. That was. You know, mm -hmm. for a while there, I was getting pretty good with hand signals, you know, because mm. it was hard to talk because I had the ventilator in, so I couldn't really talk. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. but every day it was something like that. And the more and more, you know, then, then you get more successful, you get, you accomplish those goals, you feel better. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's, it's a, it's a, a self-fulfilling kind of thing, you know, it helps you to get ultimately to where, you know, you're back, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you can do it. So, yeah. you know, and I'll kind of skip ahead. My last surgery at Duke, my last visit there was about a week before Thanksgiving and, you know, everything had gone well. And this was in uh, 2019. 2019. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So pretty much the whole of 2019 was lost for me. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the last visit up there, they were pleased that everything went well and the life-threatening stuff. There were more things. My shoulder had gone through the dashboard. My knee went through the floorboard and those they wanted to fix that. I was supposed to come back in March, 2020. But, you know, for those of you, you know, yeah. you forgot a few things, March, 2020, yeah. Duke, Raleigh, North Carolina, where Duke's at was hard hit with COVID and they, none of this stuff could happen. So, um, so all of that got postponed. As a matter of fact, they just called a couple of weeks ago. I'm scheduled to go back in October to see how I'm doing. So I'm hoping okay. I'll be in good shape then. But I'll just say I went I, on Thanksgiving Day. I went to go see my friend Bill at the gym. Again, mm -hmm. my journey with the iron. You got to get that book. Yeah. But anyway, I went to go see him. And it was kind of emotional just walking through that door. Just the fact that I could walk through that door was an emotional thing. Sure. But I wanted to see where I was, you know, I, before I could, you know, I don't want to get into specifics of what the what my bench was and all that. I don't, you know sound weird talking about that but you know a pretty good bench but on that day um let's just say this i got i laid down on the bench press bill handed me the bar he might as well have been dropping a house on me might as well drop that chevy silverado on me Ouch. i could not move that bar yeah not and that was that was just heartbreaking for me mm -hmm. but again in the category of um I can say small goals. My goal, my goal then wasn't to try to lift, you know, 300 pounds. My goal was try to just get this thing off my nipples. <laughs> that, was, that, was the, that, was, that was the goal. Give me a centimeter, right? Yeah, yeah. Just get it off. Get, you know, that was a goal. 
And, you know, I can just tell you that last week with uh, we Bill and I worked out on Sunday and I was able to do 190 pounds and nice. and do 155 yeah. pounds for 10 straight reps. Nice. And wow. so that's not, you know, I'm not back to where I was before the crash, but damn, I mean, you yeah. know, just to be able to do that. Damn good, right? Yeah. It felt really, really good. And mm -hmm. again, but it, but it's just been a series of small, you know, achievable things every single mm -hmm. week in the gym, working out at home, little things like I, I couldn't do a push up, forget doing a push up. My, my shoulder joint was, is blown. So what to do sure. You know, in, in the rehab, they give you some ideas, things you could do, like, like, you, you know, couldn't do a squat, normal squat, but you could do something where you put your back up against the wall. Um, and you get like a rubber ball back there. It's called a wall squat and you can push against the, against that ball and get, and right. do a, do a squat. So you just to do that. And so, you know, that gets you. So that took you know, pressure that, off your knee when you were doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. can, and it just makes it easier to do. And, but at least ways you're getting the movement. I mm -hmm. can't stress that enough for physical injuries, you know, forget the mental side of this for a moment. Get but moving, the, phys yeah. the physical part of this is you've got to move. Yeah, I, I, you know, and, and what and and I have every bit of respect for all the doctors and the rehab staff. I mean, I'm can't say enough good things about all them. Mm. But one of the things that is easy to fall into a little trap, especially, you know, when you got you're all comfy and you're, you know, the red ventilators out, but, you know, they, they get you comfortable. One of the things that you know, is easy to do is to just lay there, watch TV, be a couch right. potato. And atrophy. And, <laughs> and, and an atrophy sets in really fast. Yep. I, I mean, yep. within a, a couple of weeks, I mean, you know, having said that, I'll just tell you a little bit of this is, you know, one of the things with my friend Bill, every year at the beginning of the year, we always do see how we're doing. And, you know, so we do measurements and all of that and what, mm -hmm. what our best lifts are and stuff. But I'll just say this, my, um, my body weight, I was about 5'11", a little over 5'11". I think my best height in college was a little over six feet. So I was about 5'11", and 218 pounds and 15% body fat. So very strong, good. I was feeling pretty, I was pretty lean. Mm -hmm. So when Thanksgiving you know, came around, I was down to 206 when they let me out of the hospital at Duke. Mm -hmm. But my height was just a bit over 5'9", maybe 5'9 and a half. If you can, again, looking at the CAT scan, if you look at my spine, it was sort of like somebody took um, Legos and just like dominoes, just like it's just compressed everything, compressed everything, everything got compressed. And, and then as you get older, you know, you start to shrink anyway, but this right. really accelerated that, that process. And sure. so, so there was that, but 206, but now when you do my body fat percentage, it was 33% and it mm -hmm. couldn't butt my pants. <laughs> so now good thing now i'll say this good thing pandemic because hey i wasn't the only one in the pandemic people are home everybody gained weight <laughs> sweatpants are the fashion so you know yeah so so right. thank so in a way i would i mean it was bad for me that i couldn't go back to duke and have some of the other injuries worked on hmm. but at the same point in time sweatpants became the fashion so mm -hmm. you know so hey so it worked out so but i'm doing right you know, now I'm happy to say I can button my pants and my shirts are fitting better. If you can see me now, but Excellent. hey, you know, yeah, feeling, right. I'm, I'm feeling, 
feeling yeah. good. I'm yeah, feeling well, a lot your better. whole energy shows. Yeah, I mean, it looked like twigs sticking out of my sleeves before because my arms had shrunk down, and so the atrophy oh, was okay. tremendous. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. so it, it was really bad, and the atrophy happens much faster than you think. I don't know what the oh, studies are it. on this, but but it was yeah. easily within the first couple of weeks that mm-hmm. you know I the you know I was I could tell that I was just shrunk down and just losing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. But that, but there's that. But but again, the key was every single day, moving. You know, yep. and trying to keep a sense of humor about this stuff. Um, that, you know, no matter what people say. Uh, one of the things I said in in kind of a cathartic speech to my Toastmaster group, where they had this humorous speech contest, I guess it was, and and so I talked about this and and talked about some of the things that happened. I, I think I called it uh, "You Look Great." Yeah, yeah, that was that was. Yeah, yeah. People come in, you know, I bolts in my head from the from this iron halo around, and you know that again, my head went burst into the dashboard and somehow missed the airbag. I don't know, and wow. so you know, my head had been scraped off. Um, but people would come in and go, "Oh, Tim, you look great." <laughs> let, let me just let, let me just put this in perspective, you know. So this is how I had to deal with that. Every time somebody get like my son, my older son was in law school at the time. He comes from on his winter break, five states away, draw comes there, come see me rather than take a break. And he walks in and he looks at me. And I could see immediately as soon as he looked at me, he was in shock. And then he goes, Oh, dad, you look great. <laughs> and I flashed back to when my dad was in the hospital in his last year with cancer. And people would come in and say, Jimmy, you look great. And he did not look great. And so as soon as I heard that. I had yeah. this flashback. I go, I know I do not look great. Yeah. <laughs> not, you don't, try, no, don't have to make me feel good. <laughs> no, 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 no. Tim does not look great. I'm not falling for that. You know, right, right, so, right. That, so, there, so there's that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, you know, but, but getting back to the, to the control issues. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think you heard me say, I, I was after you and I first met back in March, I tried to put my thoughts together about this then. Right. And, and I, the analogy that I had thought of then was um, about a friend of mine who gave him a talk about the fear of flying. And he mm-hmm. said, he said, you know, a lot of people have a fear of flying, but that isn't what they're afraid of. And, you know, and it begged, you know, people are scratching up. What's he talking about? Right. You know, because a lot of us are white knuckle when it comes to flying. Right. He goes, no, no, no. You don't have a fear of flying. You have a fear of not flying. Yeah, <laughs> so true. That is it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And, and and so you know, just thinking that through, why do people? Why are people more afraid of flying than than they are of driving? When it's proven, like driving is ten times, hundred times more dangerous statistically. Right. More people die. You know, I think it's like sixty some thousand every year die on the roads as opposed to you know very small number in plane crashes. Right. Why is why are people more afraid of flying than they are of driving? If the statistics show it's much more dangerous to drive, and I believe that the answer is because when you're driving, you have your hands on the wheel. Yeah, absolutely. You, ha- you feel yeah. like like you're in control. I always feel that if you're in the car, you know something goes wrong with the car, you can always pull off the road. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. one of the things I think about. Yeah, that, that's that is the thought, and right. um, even though objectively speaking, that's way wrong. Mm-hmm, but that, right. but the but the psychology of it is that you feel like you have control. Yeah. And yeah. so you know, 
every single day setting, you know, those goals, like I say, mm-hmm. um, that gave me that sense of control and, and being able to check them off each right. day, you know, now well, sometimes, so, sometimes my goals were, how should we say, unrealistic. I tried to keep them realistic, but sometimes, well, I'll just say this. There was a situation where, you know, as I explained, everything in my, all the bones that had shattered had stayed together. So, but every day, a couple of big burly Jamaican guys who were funny as heck, and they were very professional though. The Reggie and what was the other one? I think his name was Jerry, Jeremy, but these big guys, they were always laughing and they had that, Hey man, split for the gonja man, you know, something like that. (laughs) They just had that Jamaican type accent. It was just really hilarious. But they scared me because every single day they came in and they had to move me because when you're in a situation like that where you can't move yourself and you're all hooked up to wires and ICU stuff, you got you get bed sores. And so right. they, they have to turn you. And one of the other people that was in the accident, 19 year old kid was the brother of the driver. Mm. His pelvis had gotten run over and he was in the room just down one door down from me. Mm. And without being gross, you could sort of smell, you know, problems and mm. so you know these guys again they were pros they never complained they always came in with a smile but when they came in from that room there was a waftiness oh, wow. <laughs> of a very earthy sort of smell that yeah. you have from if your groin gets run over oh so, so anyway so i told these so i told these guys because i was really nervous about how they would because they picked me up kind of like like it was in a hammock just like this right so i told these guys <laughs> gosh you guys got to be gentle with me. I'm really worried. All my bones, you know, stay together. Nothing's, there's nothing moved. Take your time, go slow. And I promise you, if you do that, I will not crap the bed. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now here's the, here's the problem with Tim's, you know, you think, okay, Hey, I'm in graduate school. I went to law school. I'm JD. You know, <laughs> you know, you think I'm maybe more intelligent than this, but um, no, I I had not, I clearly did not think that out because <laughs> how, you know, how was I going to avoid that? I'm, again, every part of me was hooked up, wired up like some Frankenstein. Right, right. I'm yeah, you had no control got, like, over that, right? And there's like bed rails, like a child's crib, you know, type of thing on both sides. You know, how how am I going to do that? You know, and, and also, well, anyway, so I'll just say, well, I started thinking about, well, again, my, you know, working out with my friend, Bill, my journey with the iron. Right. I, I Okay. My arms weren't working well. I was starting to be able to move them a bit. My legs, nothing, but I did realize my abs were still pretty strong. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to crunch myself. I thought I could crunch myself up. Then I could get myself to where I could get out. Again, I didn't think this all the way out. Right. Just get up. Let's say, okay. So goal one, see if I could just get up. Cause how am right. I going to not mess this bed? If I'm just laying there, I can't even like use a bedpan because right, right, you right. got to lift your butt up to use a bedpan. Okay. Hey, right. 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 You need some strength there. Yeah. So, anyway, so, so every single day I'm grunting just like for hours, just trying to get myself up. And then one day I did it. Uh-huh. I got up and I was able to get my elbows under me. And so I could sit up. Yeah. That was a goal. I did that. And then I tried to just like rock myself and bam, hit the side of the bed, knock right. the bed rail down. Well, then, you, you know, you think that 
terrorist bells bomb and just went off because now every <laughs> single thing, all the lights were bright and, you know, people come running in there. And so, and then I realized, because even if I, if I had got my legs over the side, what was I, then I just, I'd be eating face right there. I'd be dead. <laughs> I, again, I hadn't thought this out. I was just so determined to not lose a bet. Okay. You know, that's maybe the lawyer. And, you know, contingency fees. I don't want to lose this bet. So, oh. But I, I clearly didn't think this out. And uh, boy, the you know the mother hen ICU nurse she comes in. She was the first one on the scene. Yeah. And she asked me what the hell I was doing, and I told her the story. And she starts cracking up. I mean, she was, uh, and then she goes, "Mr. Morell." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What are you? You're not thinking. What were you gonna do? What? And then she went through. Patiently yeah. with me, step by step of, How the, you gonna get up? of yeah. the problem here, you know, and then, and then she said, listen, just call me. We will help you. We don't, you won't lose your bet. We will help you. And yeah. so just, just call me. <laughs> okay. But, but again, you know, small goal, little goals, you know, you gotta mm -hmm. have those goals, but that was, um, that was a motivating thing with me and uh, Reggie and Jeremy there. I just, that's you know, a great one. I was determined, yes. you know, yes. but, but anyway, you know, it's the things every single day, you got to find something that you can control and just do it. You know, yes. it doesn't have yes. to be much. It has to be just something more than mm -hmm. you did the day before, whatever the right. heck it is, something right. more than the day you did, did the day before. Yeah. And then the other side of it, like, you know, Sherry, you know, when we were talking, she said, you know, I don't believe in, you know, you know that it's up to us it's god's and in, in god's hands and that's where you have to have a purpose whether right. you believe in god or not but you've got to have a purpose and for me for me and i and i you know have a lot of faith and so for me it was god did not bring me this far just to right. bring me this far i mean i just i said it to myself i said it out loud but more than that it was a thought in my mind that, that I just kept thinking about. And even like, even when I was dead tired, I accomplished my goal, maybe turned on TV, whatever it was, I still kept thinking that. Right. Still yeah. kept thinking that. So there were two, so the two sides of this were getting back to that analogy about the boat and the oars, my, my mm -hmm. billism, you know, you got the boat, you got the oars, that's your control right there, you mm -hmm. know, and you, and you can control it with the, put a smile on your face, Laughter is the best medicine, all of that. But you've got the oars. You've got to row. That's, row. that's control. Yeah. You have that yeah. row. Yes. And then yeah. the other side of it is, you know, because the other part of that is why row? Why? You're right, that, exactly. You're yes. that, what's you the know, point, right? Yeah. What's, you look at yourself and that, because this is where you can really fall into depression. You got to, you know, you get, you look at your life in that situation and you can say, why? Yeah. Why did this happen? You get feeling down for your on yourself. It's so easy to say, why did this happen to me? God, you know, like I said, my guardian angel must have been watching ESPN, you know. Right. Right. Why? Right. And if you don't, if you if you can't find a why, right, then you won't row. Exactly. There's no energy to row. Exactly. You've got to have the why. One of the things that I thought about when we first spoke, it was in March, you said, um, and you were saying, cause you had already, you were already responsible for Toby's legacy right. before the accident, right? Right. Right. And you were saying you would walk around and how, share a little bit about what the 
being around the animals and in nature, how that helped you through your recovery too. Well, once I was able to to walk and, you know, in between, I like I said, I had three surgeries and in between each one, I was released home. And so Mm -hmm. I came here to the farm. I said, most of my wife travels a lot for her work. So Mm -hmm. at least I I wanted to be around where I had people here. Mm -hmm. So we had a place here on the farm and we had a a, a therapy dog, a Doberman named Sparky, who's a certified therapy dog. And that Sparky was a big part of my recovery, but being able to walk was, you know, cause there are very few things you can do with that, with that bolts in your head, halo and all of that. Um, but, but walking was one of the best physical therapies. My, the doctors, my physical therapist, everybody in rehab said, that's what I should do. And walking all around here helps, you know, the terrain is uneven. So it helps you. And my first time out walking by myself, that halo brace, you can't look down. If you look down, the weight of it, it's like about 12 pounds. It'll pull you over and you'll eat face. So you wow. can't do that. You have to look straight ahead. And the first time I did it, those things that stick out of the top of the halo brace hit a, a gutter. And it, oh, was, wow. and it was like somebody tasered me in the neck. Oh my God, I, I was the most pain I ever had in my life. And it scared the heck out of some of the caregivers here. And so they, you know, they wanted to have somebody walk with me and all that. And I, I didn't want that because, you know, they've got, we got animals, we got people, they, they have jobs to do. And right. I didn't want people having to care, take care of me. So I started walking around with Sparky mm-hmm. and walked around when just being with the, you know, there's a whole bunch of animals here. There's many horses and goats and peacocks and um, dogs and cats. There's all kind of critters here. Plus all the waterfowl. There's a lot of beauty around here. So being able yeah. to walk around. But Sparky, ever, ever since just walking around with her, staying when I would, you know, go to lay down, she would stay with me so that and help me when I needed to get up so I didn't have to look down. That's great. It was it was a bonding like, you know, that you've heard you hear stories about that. You see documentaries of people and and their animals and whatever. Right? But, yeah. but me, Sparky and I. I mean, I bonded in a way that I, I wouldn't, you know, you read about stuff like that and right. you don't know if it's even true. But it was for me. But you and knew I, it, yeah. Yeah, I'll send you later on. I have some pictures of me and Sparky with me in the, oh, with great. the bolts in my head. But Sparky was the best. But being able to walk is one of those things that to just to do it, it was was difficult. And you have to have help. Right. And in my case, with the animals here. And also, they just, it's so peaceful. You've been here. You see. You know, oh, just, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. There's yeah. something about just the, the animals know. I don't know mm-hmm. how, how else to put it. The animals know. Yes, and, they, they have a sixth sense. Yeah, and they definitely and know. They, it. Every single one that I interacted with just seemed like it brought me um, a sense of joy and, and calm in my heart because I was so mm-hmm. nervous mm-hmm. just walking around. Because I, especially after I did that thing where I hit the gutter, oh my God. Sure, sure. But, but that was a part, that was big, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, the, the, so for our listeners, if they want to find you online, uh, first of all, the ranch, it's called Critter Creek. Their website is crittercreekranch.org. And the actual legal name for the sanctuary is Toby's Legacy Critter Creek Ranch Foundation, Inc. So if anyone is interested in wants to learn more about it, uh, they are a nonprofit private educational foundation. So um there's a link on the website if you want to arrange a tour they don't you know it's not just where anybody can just show up but you can arrange a tour with one of the caregivers and it's a a wonderful experience i went a few weeks ago with uh, one of my daughter-in-laws and my two grandsons and it was uh 
a wonderful memory making experience. Just just awesome. And you've got that uh, one of the, the favorite memories is little Groot, not so little, but Groot, your your baby peacock there, as yeah. well as all the other wonderful animals. Just just wonderful. Just wonderful guy. And the book, once again, is Bill Neilon, N-E-Y-L-O-N is the author. My journey with the iron, and as far as you know, that's probably on Amazon. Or yes, I know it's on Amazon. Okay, yeah. awesome. And, yeah, awesome. and he has an Audible version too coming up pretty soon. Oh, great, great. Yeah. So, so uh, any any one liner that you want to leave people with that you know will really, I mean, this was a whole the, conversation with the, awesome, the one but... the one liner I would say is go back to the first thing I said, and that is God gives you a boat, gives you oars, you have to row. Yes. Good words. Good words. Thank you so much, Tim. This was been wonderful. And the, uh, the recording will be uploaded within the week. Okay. So, hey, awesome. if, you, if there's a link to it, send it to me so I can send it to Bill. Absolutely. Yes, I absolutely will. I'll, okay. and I'll put everything that we discussed, like any of the names of things, I'll put that in the, in the notes. So when people click on it, they can find it. Too. Okay. Take All care, right. Alexandra. Awesome. This Bye. was wonderful. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.